0: What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieved stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Austin of the band Limbs over Zoom Video. Austin was born in Panama City, Florida, and he talks about how he got into music, started singing at an early age in the church, and he also picked up drums at an early age. His grandfather and dad were both jazz drummers. So his first instrument was the drums. It wasn't until he was about 13 years old he went to a hardcore show and was just mesmerized by the lead singer. So he knew at that point that's that's what he wanted to do. He started a couple bands in high school. He ended up moving to Atlanta to join another band that needed a singer and then eventually became the singer of Limbs. And he's got a really cool story about how Chris, the first singer, ended up asking him to kind of replace him in the band. We hear about how that experience was filling in for for Chris as the singer, singing his songs, and then eventually joining the band. He talks to us about getting back from tour and then essentially the world shutting down really quickly after that. Putting out the songs Abandoned and Stare, which were the first two records the band released with him on vocals. And he tells us all about this brand new EP, which is really, really deep-rooted and Very vulnerable for him about loss and reliving all of these past traumas. He talks about how therapeutic it was to to write this record and really how vulnerable it was. And we talk about the upcoming tour and the the EP. It's called Coma Year. You can watch our interview with Austin on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Limbs. Hey, Good. what's up? Man? How are you? Good. How's it going, Adam? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I appreciate you doing this.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Good morning. Whereabouts are you?
1: um in panama city beach florida
0: okay rad yeah rad.
1: right
0: on the coast nice um so this podcast about you and uh your journey in music and obviously we'll talk about the new ep you have coming out and you know kind of your origin story and in, into joining the band
1: yeah right on let's go
0: cool cool um so i guess first off are you from originally from florida
1: I am, yeah. I grew up in Panama City Beach, right where I'm at now. Moved away for a while. Um, lived in the Tampa Bay area, which is how I ended up linking up with the guys in Limbs in the first place. But uh, yeah, back home as a couple of weeks ago.
0: Okay, rad. Yeah, I did see that the band started in Tampa Bay. When I was doing my research, though, you weren't—you weren't the first singer, though, were you? They had a singer prior. I was not. Okay. Yeah, my
1: friend Chris. Yeah, my friend Chris was the original vocalist. Okay, and well, he's
0: actually—he's
1: part of the reason I'm in the band now. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, we'll get to that point. I love that. So first off, uh, what was it like growing up in Panama City?
1: Oh, it was a blast, man. Um, You know, growing up, being close to the water, I got into surfing and fishing and all things water related at an early age. So it was really nice to have that in my backyard. And uh, yeah, I've I've moved all over the place in the last, you know, seven or eight years. And even being on the road, seeing a bunch of different parts of the country. And this always wins for me. This always ends (laughs) up being home. So, yeah, it it was great to, you know, be able to move home and be back to my
0: roots. Sure. Well, how did you get into music? Was that big there uh, in your in your town where you grew up?
1: Yeah, there was a I mean, there still is a killer local scene here. Not really what it once was, but, you know, it's on the up. It's on the come Mm -hmm. up. Um, Yeah, the the shows here growing up were just wild because, you know, a lot of other big Florida bands like A Day to Remember and Mm -hmm. Under Oath would always come through Panama city in their early years as a band. So, you know, getting to see like under oath and I don't know if you remember an old band called Calico system from back oh, in yeah. the day, sure, yeah, yeah. still so a big, still a huge fan of that band. Um, but those bands would come through town and we would have essentially like five or six locals. And then sometimes the locals would be headlining over those guys, so it was wild to you know see that in retrospect. But um, wow, oh, just because they're yeah,
0: their fan base is bigger in in Panama City than than whoever else is coming through.
1: Yeah, and you know I remember like one of the biggest shows that I've probably ever been to, even to this day, was Under Oath, Calico System, Evergreen Terrace. Oh, I <laughs> remember. Them. Yeah, wow. All four of the yeah, all four of those bands on the same bill at like a little hole in the wall joint in Panama City. I was probably like. 14 so like getting to experience shows like that at a young age definitely like lit the fire underneath me to like start playing music
0: for sure Brad. i forgot about evergreen terrace is that yeah are they still banned i don't even i haven't heard that name in such a long time
1: i think the last time i saw them was one of the one of the first handfuls of shows i played with limbs we played a uh, music fest in savannah georgia called aura fest Okay, and uh, I think yeah, I think Evergreen Terrace was like one of the last acts on that fest. Yeah, I think they're like That's second right. to last.
0: That was oh, the last wow. time I
1: saw them. I don't know if they still a band. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean,
0: I like I just curious. I haven't heard that name in a long time. That's awesome. Yeah, it shows my
1: age right there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and mine.
0: <laughs> um, killer. So how? I, I mean, a lot of shows were coming through there, but how did you get into music? Were you uh, in piano lessons or anything like that? Guitar lessons as a young kid.
1: Um, no, not really. I've, i definitely come from a musical family though. My mom was a, a gospel singer. Um, mm-hmm. so I got it on that side of the family, but my dad and grandfather were both jazz drummers. So drums wow. was actually my first love. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I played drums for the longest time. And then by the time I was like 13, 14, like I said, going to shows and like seeing all these bands. Um, and you know, I'd always sung a little bit, you know, with my mom at church or whatever, but. Um, seeing those guys like fronting like hardcore bands and things like that really kind of piqued my interest. And I was like, I want to do that. And
0: mm-hmm. then
1: it kind of, yeah, kind of snowballed from there.
0: I okay, I kind of went
1: head first into it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But you didn't continue on drums. I would think that, I don't know, I guess it, maybe like I mean, seeing yeah. those hardcore bands and like how fast they play, maybe that would be an, in- an inspiration as well. But if, I mean, obviously it was, singer, yeah. your, your thing. Yeah. I
1: don't know. What, <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know what it was. I was just drawn to like, like the energy that a front man brings to a band there's something about it that intrigued me to a point where like i still play drums and i play guitar mm-hmm. as well but those kind of hit the back burner and i really focused on like wanting to sing I, I don't i really can't put a a pin in it of what exactly it was but i knew that that's what i wanted to do and i just okay. tunnel vision with that from a young age yeah mm-hmm.
0: And with that, like, did you start a band? Like, were you trying to start a band, a hardcore band or anything like that? And once you had kind of seen that all happen?
1: Yeah. The freshman year of high school, you know, me and a couple of buddies, um, you know, just posted up in his parents' garage with a friend of mine playing drums and another friend playing guitar. And I kind of just, had my first take at trying to be a vocalist and at this time you know i was listening to you know under oath and poison the well mm-hmm. and bayside like a lot of the great post hardcore bands from like the early 2000s and thursday as well being a huge influence i was basically just trying to mimic what i heard and i feel okay. like i feel like a lot of vocalists do that you know in their start they they try to sound like whoever their influences are oh sure they, yeah you know, well, cause I'm trying to figure out how to use my voice. And I obviously at that point in time had no idea what I was doing. So I was basically probably just, just just yelling into the mic the whole time. Right. So, But I mean, you got to start somewhere, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned those bands because I mean, like Jeff Rickley can sing and Anthony from bass. Like those guys are great vocalists and they can scream. So it wasn't like you were just going for the, like the, the, the you know, super hardcore, like screaming right. voice.
1: Yeah, I mean, because don't get me wrong, there were plenty of bands that I was into at the time. I mean, bands like 18 Visions, where they had a little bit of clean vocals back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, there were bands that I really loved, like Throwdown. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah they Yeah, sure. Up, just like, like hardcore. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like true hardcore to the genre. Yeah. That's so, cool. I mean, but that's the music that I was drawn to, though. I mean, uh, that era, I, mean, I always call it like the golden era of post-hardcore, because you had Thursday's full collapse. You had. Oh,
0: yeah. um, Can you believe that record's that twenty-one everything? years old now? Dude, uh, like, I saw that yeah. and, I, and I screenshotted it and sent it to my friend. I'm like, "You ready to feel old? <laughs> this record's twenty-one <laughs> years old." <laughs> yeah,
1: man. I, I actually thought about that the other day when we were still like getting settled in our new house here, unloading all my vinyl collection, and I've got a copy of Full Collapse on vinyl. And I mm, saw so it and I it's like
0: two thousand two thousand one. I was like, "Oh man, dude, <laughs> like, I know." Yeah, so I feel it's that I feel that. some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So freshman year, you started a band, or did you guys ever get out of the the, the garage? Or that one, not,
1: yeah, that one did not. It was just kind of for fun. Um, closer to the end of tenth grade was when I played my first show. I, uh, funny enough, had gotten into a band called answer me this just like a like a high school band that started playing shows and um i replaced the vocalist
0: okay that seems
1: to be yeah it seems to have been (laughs) a recurring theme in my upbringing uh in bands but yeah they had a singer i guess it didn't work out with him for whatever reason and they had already had material, so i kind of just jumped into singing somebody else's material Mm -hmm. which i think in the learning stages of a vocalist like for myself personally I feel like that was a good thing because like my writing capability maybe wasn't there yet or I still was kind of figuring out how to sing really Mm -hmm. in general um but it was cool to have that foundation to just be like okay well they've already got songs I'll just learn these songs and we'll take it from there um but that ended up being a band for a couple years and then people moved away went to college this that and the third and um Yeah, I played. I played in some other local bands over the years, um, and then I moved away from Panama City in 2014 um, for another band that had just lost a vocalist. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So yeah, man. Like I said, it's
0: like just. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, you're
1: you're fine. No,
0: go for it. I was just gonna say, like that band that because it sounds like the first band that you replaced the vocalist was just like a local band in town or like a high school band, Mm. and then you replace this other singer. You 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 move out of Panama city to a different town to replace the singer. Was that band pretty established at the time? Like, or was it, were they kind of just another local band or unsigned band?
1: Um, well I had moved to Atlanta. Um, it was a band called native sons. They had already had a couple of different singers at the time. Um, I think they were on Sumerian for a short period. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, they were mildly established. I know they kind of made a name for themselves in the Atlanta scene. Um, but it was something different for me. It was like a, a softer side of post-hardcore, a little bit more singing-oriented. So that kind of drew me to it. And um, my friend Jason, who has been in other bands in the scene, who's in um, he was in Slaves for a while as the bass player. Really? Um, yeah, he had reached wow. out to me because he and I have been. He's from uh, the Panhandle of Florida originally as well. Okay. But he had reached out to me, and he's like, "Hey, man, we lost our singer. You should really come up to Atlanta for the weekend and you know jam with us." Mm-hmm. And then one thing led to another and then i spent the next like four years in atlanta with that band okay which was which was a lot of fun yeah i mean it was a good time um but yeah at the end of that all some things kind of went down and uh we we're basically at each other's throats by the end of it about mm-hmm. just silly stuff um that's what happens though when you have like five dudes all living in a house together right
0: also all being in a
1: band and like, who paid the power bill? No. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, wow. oh, so you're roommates and bandmates. Oh, yeah. That get a yeah. little dicey, especially if you're on the road. Yeah, got a little dicey. Like You can never get away. Yeah. Like you're almost like ha- never separated from these people.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It never really had like that separation between like, you know, normal life and band life. So yeah. it was, getting home it from tour like, and kind you,
0: of having time to like decompress. It's like, we're all home from tour in the same house. That's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it, it was fun for a while. And then things kind of just went south quick. We all kind of grew apart. And which was fine uh, because that's what led me to move to the Tampa Bay area. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan, the guitar player in Limbs, he and I have also been friends for quite a long time because he's from the area of Florida that I grew up in here. And, um, you know, it was another one of those situations where I got down to Tampa Bay, St. Pete had already hung out with the guys a bunch, knew them pretty well. And um, a tour came around in like fall, early winter of 2018. And my friend, Chris, the previous vocalist for limbs, uh, was running a coffee shop at the time. And I went and saw him one day and had coffee with him. And he's like, Hey man, I want to ask you something. I was like, yeah, what's going on? And he proceeds to ask me to fill in for him on a tour. And I was like, what?
0: Because yeah. at this point, I hadn't,
1: I, yeah, it was a big like what moment because I hadn't played heavy music in years. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Atlanta band was like pretty much indie, you know, very minimal screaming. So in my head, I was like, can I even, can I even still do this? Like, you know, do I have that in me still? But um, yeah, he asked me to fill in. I reluctantly agreed. And then like 10 seconds after he asked me that, he's like, cool, cool. So since you're all right with filling in, how would you feel about just taking over full time?
0: <laughs> hey, yeah, oh yeah. Just
1: like, just hit me with it. I was like, That's oh, so funny. oh wow. Yeah. It was definitely a, uh, a surprising moment to say the least. And you know, I, I told him I'd think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went out on that tour. It was a tour with, uh, Currents and another band from the new England area called Sentinels. I love those guys. Um, but yeah, went out with them for a couple of weeks. a, a lot of fun. I kind of just stepped right back into the role of being a lead singer, and things went relatively smooth. And we came home from that. Um, UNFD, our label, did you know, send out tryouts for a few other people that were interested, understandably mm-hmm. so, because sure. you know I didn't want to feel like I was getting into it just because I'm friends with the guys,
0: you know, right. Right. You want to make yeah. sure you're the right fit and, or yeah. Exactly. I mean, that makes sense. Well, I'm right. Yeah. real quick though, yeah. I have a couple of questions. Yeah. So you, they were already signed cause they were first signed with, with fearless, right? Originally the label. Um. They, no equal saying.
1: vision. Oh, they equal vision. Equal Sorry. Vision. Yeah. Equal yeah. vision. So they're on
0: equal vision and then they went to UNFD and you, yes. so that already had all happened and then they're re-signed. So you weren't in the, in that process that piece correct yeah Got so it. yeah okay. so
1: like our our ep sleep was released through yeah, equal vision yeah equal and then that's what it was. sorry yeah I, I, no you're I good get, i always
0: get mixed up
1: <laughs> and then uh father son the full length from 2018 was with UNFD. that was their debut release on UNFD. and, and you were I on came that into the band were
0: after you that. oh you joined after that record, Not on right? that record. oh yeah. Yeah. okay Not on that record nope. Interesting. that's all chris <laughs> okay was that difficult? We- I mean, going now you're in a band that, well, first off, you, you the singer is coming to you and being like, yo, like, can you, can you fill in? And I know that record yeah. is like really heavy, right? I mean, I'm not heavy yeah. in the sense, but like, it's got a lot of root meaning in it. And right. isn't it a, yeah, concept a record it. about him and, it is and, a concept, and yeah. about him leaving like the, the church and all this in this stuff. And yeah, it's,
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big narrative. I mean, it's not really like firsthand accounts of anything, but it's just, like, oh, okay. it's just a big story. Yeah. It's like, it's like a mini novel about, you know, a kid growing up in a religious household and institution and kind of losing his religion along the way and like finding himself. So it's like this, I mean, even before I was in the band, I was a big fan of that record. Cause like, I grew up in a religious household and mm-hmm. I had the same path where I fell out of things. So like it hit with me and I was like, Dude, okay. this sick. yeah, okay. but, um, it's, it was definitely interesting stepping into that role and having to sing those songs. Cause in a way I kind of felt like they were still my own, even though I didn't write them.
0: Okay. That's cool to know. Yeah. yeah I wasn't sure yeah. if that was like, if it came directly from him and it's like, you now you got to go up and not only fill a role of a singer who's been mm-hmm. probably has some uh, a fan base of, of some sort and then not only sing but sing this record that i didn't know was like a direct like autobiography of his life or something like a biopic that would have yeah i mean like i said it's
1: not necessarily a first-hand account of things but it's mm-hmm. more of just like um yeah it's it's storytelling at its finest but it's i right. mean the the idea at its root is i guess something that he went through as a kid but um
0: a really yeah it, it wasn't
1: yeah, it's totally relatable so which i think is what made it a bit easier for me to step into it and singing those songs live it, it felt less weird you know what i mean
0: sure sure yeah and were you getting any flat like were, were people showing up at <laughs> the show like being like oh like what happened to blah? blah you know chris or uh, was that a thing
1: every you know it wasn't as prevalent as i thought it would be because when we got home from that tour with uh currents and sentinels it there had been one or two people a night that had been like, oh, hey, where's Chris? And at the time, obviously, I was just like, oh, I'm just, I'm a buddy. I'm just filling in. You know, mm-hmm. he'll be back soon, kind of thing. Um, but we went on tour in 2019, in the spring of 2019, with The Plot and You and Dayseeker and like Moth to Flames, uh, which was sick. And um, I, I, d- I did have a handful of nights where people were like, hey, you're not Chris. And I'm like, uh. I know, sorry. <laughs> But it wasn't like yeah. in a malicious kind of sense it was just people were surprised i mean because we had announced it and everything you know we had made a formal announcement and the whole online spiel about me joining the band but right you know a lot of people i guess didn't know Missed that um yeah <laughs> so it wasn't really it wasn't really like a negative thing but again all that being said when people would come up to me and ask what happened to chris they would follow that up with well by the way dude it's not that big a deal because you're fucking great. Like people oh, that's were, good. That, yeah, like, like supportive of yeah, you. Like trans- yes, yeah. So that made things a lot easier for sure. Like to have that positive reinforcement after the fact, you
0: know. And you had the co-sign from him. He asked you to be in the band, right? I mean, it wasn't like right. you were just taking his job. It was like he's offering exactly. you his job. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure if if there was a mention of it, I I bet that was a story that probably followed. Right. I mean, that wasn't just like, Oh, and then, you know, Austin comes to the band It takes us, it was probably like, and then (laughs) they had this kind of mutual thing. Like, I mean, that's a cool story. I don't know if that's ever been told, but like, you know, yeah, uh,
1: I'm very grateful for it and very fortunate because like, you know, before he had asked me to fill in and, you know, kind of join up with the rest of the guys, that was a point in time for me Musically, where I didn't know if I'd ever be in a band again. You know, it, mm-hmm. had, it had been a few years since I had done anything. And, you know, as, as artists, we were always kind of tinkering with song ideas and, you know, writing stuff in our basement and, you know, just doing stuff on our own just to kind of, you know, stay limber, so to speak, with our craft. But mm-hmm. I hadn't played a show. I hadn't recorded anything. I mean, I hadn't done anything relative to heavy music in, in quite some time. So I'm super thankful in that regard to have that opportunity that he kind of just laid out in front of me one day while having mm-hmm. coffee together, you know? Um, yeah. Cause I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd be in a band right now had that not happened. So.
0: That's so cool though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and then, so you said you joined the band, what, 2019? Officially. Of yeah. Officially? Yeah.
1: Spring of 2019 officially.
0: And yeah. then you uh, obviously, the world shuts down in 2020 and then are you like, in like, okay, I just joined this band. Now we're kind of all sitting around figuring out what's going on. It goes out a weird time aside from being weird for everybody. Like, well, well yeah. Well, and, yeah. And like, as far as like joining this band went.
1: Well, when we got home from the plot and you tour in spring of 2019, we sat down with um, Tim from under oath who has worked with us in the past on material. Um, and we cranked out like, two two i call them feeler songs because it was really like a transitional period still for me as the vocalist we put out um a song called abandoned and another one called stare Mm -hmm. which for me it was like testing the waters it was us all together writing collectively as opposed to in the past where i think chris was probably the primary songwriter and Mm -hmm. everybody else kind of just played their role so to speak and Um, this is your first like
0: like yeah, uh, you know, debut on a on a record, right? For for the band,
1: essentially, yeah, exactly, okay. yeah. So we all got to sit down collectively and write together. I know, sorry, I have a twenty pound cat that is just like constantly <laughs> up on my up on my stuff here. No um, need
0: to, yeah, no need to apologize.
1: <laughs> it's every time I sit down at the desk. It, that's what happens. But um, if a cat yeah, cat wants we, to we jump up, up. It's like, all good. We'll let you up in a minute, but okay, I'll just <laughs> real quick.
0: I love oh. Zoom. Oh. oh my goodness, this that is, is a big kitty.
1: This is Walter. <laughs> Say hey, buddy.
0: You Hi, Walter.
1: At yeah. He's I love his bow tie. He
0: get,
1: yeah, he's a fancy boy. He's mad That's because awesome. he didn't get second breakfast. Oh, uh-oh. Uh, okay. He's spoiled <laughs> now because they're only Oof. on wet food nowadays. And uh. Uh, yeah, their energy is off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, we um, we did those two songs, and then towards the end of 2019, we started writing uh, more material for our next release, which is our three-song EP, "Only the Lonely Know." Mm-hmm. That was a that was a big shift in the band, not only sonically, but just our overall attitude towards you know where we wanted to take things. And I feel like those three songs that we put out. Um, because those came out in 2020 during mm-hmm. the pandemic, but we had right. had them kind of ready to go beforehand. Um, okay. but those three songs were a huge, like, sonic shift in in the way the direction we wanted to take the band. Um, because it's definitely more less, po- less post-hardcore, more kind of ambient metalcore to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a you know, like I said, a shift from Father Son, which is just like a straight-up post-hardcore record,
0: right? Um, yeah. Were but you to blame on they, that? I mean, not to blame, in the sense of like, no. were you getting like, like, you know, fans of the band who, who like coming at you like, oh, and then the sound change, like, was, did you get any of that?
1: I mean, a little bit here and there, which is understandable because we did have member changes, you know, mm-hmm. not only myself, but we, you know, got Joey and Chris, our drummer and bass player, they were new to the game. Sure. You only have um, the two
0: guys, the two guitarists right? were the two original people. Yeah. Jordan and Tyler. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's to be expected, I guess, sometimes with bands, you know, when you've got member changes and we all start writing collectively as opposed to one person doing it all. Um, but I also felt like it was a natural progression. You know, they Mm -hmm. had wanted to do certain things musically all this time and sort of couldn't, you know, because they kind of weren't in the driver's seat with writing. But um, I attest a lot of our change in dynamic and sound to Tyler. We call mm-hmm. him Riff Lord. So okay. he, he'll, he'll just start cranking out riffs and, you know, skeletons of songs. And him and Jordan kind of ping pong off each other. And we've got, a, we've got a really good thing in place now. We've got a very cohesive environment for us to all work together on music. And I think not only that EP shows it, but the, the most recent release here, you know, coming out in June with Coma Year. I think mm-hmm. it really shows what we've been able to do together collectively in you know just like a like a worry-free environment like doing what we want to do sonically and not having to worry about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this record yeah. is I mean is mean, really true to you. I mean especially it's like a deep-rooted record. Uh t- tell much. me about so, that and being like so vulnerable and w- was that a difficult process to even open up?
1: I mean Yes and no, because I knew from the get-go with these songs, like even during our recording sessions, I knew with these songs that I was dealing with a lot personally. There were a Mm -hmm. lot of, you know, skeletons in the closet, so to speak, that I was sort of ignoring instead of just dealing with. Um, And every song on this record, like all seven songs that are coming out, it was a form of therapy for me. There were, you know, multiple burdens and fears and uncertainties and, you know, insecurities that I was dealing with. And I felt like the only way to kind of get those things off my chest and to purge that from my consciousness was to, you know, put them in tangible form, like to get them out there to kind of just be an open book for anybody that listens to the band. And I, I can honestly say, I feel a lot better. I'm in a much better mental state now that this record is complete and that I'm able to look back and see what we've done together and you know realize like that's where I was I was in a dark place mm-hmm. and this is where I am now and, and that was huge for me and you know I hope I hope people resonate with that as well I hope people listen to it and you know understand the the brevity of it yeah
0: yeah cuz I mean from what I was just reading about about the record uh it has a lot to do with loss I mean you said you lost you lost your father what in 2015 and I did, then, you, yeah. then you have a pandemic that just throws that on yeah. top of everything. And like, uh, was it just, did it all kind of come back to you then? Or was it just stuff that eventually, you know, you just knew that you needed to get off your chest? Like, tell me about like when it kind of came to the point where you're like, I should just write all, write all this out. Like I need to write it yeah. and get it off my chest.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, there was definitely a moment um, when we got off tour in January of 2020 um we got home like the first week of february and oh, that was yeah dude yeah finished finished this awesome tour with the guys in Beartooth, tooth emotionless and white stick to your guns Oh and, wow. which, was, which was completely bonkers aside what, a, from itself, what an yeah. amazing tour dude, absolutely wild again can't thank those guys enough for having us but um Yeah, we got home from this crazy tour and we, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I know Tyler and myself were both struggling a lot mentally at the time. Jordan was going through some things. And I remember sitting on my couch. This was before we had moved to another state (laughs) because we have a tendency to do that, my wife and I. Um, But I was sitting on the couch, you know, fresh off tour, sitting there, watching the news under like just hearing all of this about like the whole country's about to shut down everything's going dark like the industry is going dark like everything is just crashing and burning around me and it really like i said I'm, I'm better for it now because I went through it but like it really drummed up all those old feelings of of the year after losing my father and that's what the title of the record coma year refers to not only the pandemic but it refers to 2015 to 2016 after oh. losing him yeah so it's got a bit of a, a double that makes, meaning to it. i
0: mean that all makes complete sense though
1: yeah um but yeah like i said i remember just sitting there reading the news and, and listening to everything online and just being like wow i i don't know what i'm gonna do just being completely blank to it all um because it did drum up a lot of those old feelings of loss and uncertainty from losing my dad you know? sure
0: oh my yeah. gosh man well i'm so sorry to, to hear about that that's so terrible Yeah. And, but to be able to, I'm glad that you're able to kind of, you know, therapeutically get it out that way and then share that with other people that could are, you know, there's gotta be, you know, so many people that are going through the same thing, you know what I mean? Like that they can take that in and, and, and use that. Like, I think that's so cool. And that's one of the coolest things about music, obviously is being able to, you know, take something from what you do. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Universal healing. That's what I was looking for. And yeah. No, you're probably (laughs) go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, so when when does the record, like, when do you guys start writing the record? Was it early 2020, or did it take a while to finally, you know, muster up the the courage and you know be in the right state of mind to write it all out?
1: Yeah, um, so the whole process kind of started um, mid 2020. We had a lot, we had a lot of ideas kind of being thrown back and forth like song wise um, you know, half songs here, certain structures of other stuff here. Um, you know, we were, we we're throwing all these ideas back and forth while also in the process of releasing our three song EP only lonely know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that came out in August of 2020, I believe was the first time we, yeah, August is when we dropped the first song off of it. And uh, the whole EP was done by October and from October, 2020 on um, to this past year, that's when we really started honing in on our next release, what we really wanted to do. Because like I said, we had a handful of demos. We didn't really know which ones to pick and choose. Thankfully, UNFD helped us out with that. We just like sent them a giant basket of music. And they're like, Here, help. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So they they thankfully provided a guiding hand in which ones they thought would, you know, work the best together. Um, but as far as like lyrical content and subject matter, it's a lot of the things in these songs, it's, it's something that I struggle with on a daily basis. So I knew, uh, you know, early on that I wanted to get these things off my chest. I needed that because I'm, I'm super stubborn. Like my wife tells me all the time, like, maybe you should try, you know, talking to somebody, maybe you should try some therapy and like, I'm all for it. I'm not against it. I'm just incredibly stubborn. I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do that later. I'll get time. to it. I'll <laughs> yeah. try. I'll yeah, I'll get to it eventually, you know. Sure. Um, but yeah, sitting down and, and writing these songs, like I said, were were that therapy for me. I mean, I should I should probably still talk to somebody, but um yeah, I knew it like I said, I knew early on that that's what I wanted to focus on, everything that I was dealing with, all of my loss, all of my struggles, all of my grief. Um, I want I wanted to get that out there and just put it out front, because like you said, you know, everybody goes through these types of things and I feel like it's, it's really important to be open and upfront about it because I'm not the only one. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if somebody else listens to this record and makes that realization that like, oh shit, he's going through it too. But look at him now, he made it out clean on the other side. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe that would give them the motivation to, you know, keep on trucking, so to speak. (laughs) Sure,
0: sure. I love that. When you put out the first, you know, songs from the out or from the EP coming out, was it like, were you concerned at all? Or are you like, how are people going to react to this? Or was that even a thought?
1: I mean, there's always that thought in the back of my mind of like, when we release music, like, oh, are people going to like this? What are people Mm going to think? Sure. But I feel like that was overshadowed by my excitement because this is, in my opinion, like the best material that we've ever, you know, released um, both sonically and lyrically, you know, I feel like we all just put 110% into everything with this. I know I did for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as the rest of the guys. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I feel like that little bit of doubt was overshadowed by everybody being so stoked to drop this because at the end of the day, if you're not a fan of your own music, how can you expect somebody else to enjoy it? You know?
0: Right. So I love that,
1: yeah, so we were we were super excited for it, and with Spirit Breaker, the first um, the first song that we released about a month and a half ago, that one was super heavy on the subject matter as well. It, it follows the dialogue of a friend and I, um, a friend and I's last conversation before he passed away from a drug overdose.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah, man. So, and this is this is one of those things, man. These are things that I had been struggling with for so long because he passed away during the pandemic, and. Yeah, man, it was it was tough to get that one out. So, again, I wasn't necessarily worried if people would like it or not. It was more of a relief to kind of set that one out into the wild because Mm -hmm. of the heaviness of the subject matter. And because the whole song follows the last phone conversation that he and I had. So it kind of jumps back and forth. Yeah, it jumps back and forth between, you know, him being calm and collected and then kind of snapping and becoming erratic. Like some people do when they have, you know, substance abuse issues. And like the latter half of the song is me trying to like unscramble my brain from all of this, trying to, you know, come to terms with what's going on. Um, so it was, it was definitely a big relief to get that one out for me. Um, -hmm. that one, that one was really tough. That one and coma year were probably the most difficult to record. You know, even though I wrote the lyrics and everything for him and I knew what I was getting myself into with, like, writing songs like this, those were the most difficult to, like, get down in a recording environment. Not not so much, like, from a physical standpoint with singing and everything, but just the emotion that comes with it, you know, having to, like, check myself in the vocal booth, like, no, dude, don't cry. You got to sing okay. right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Was it something, too, where you were like overcritical of the song or you wanted to make sure like this I have to sing this perfect like I don't know were you even more you know like I don't know I guess like over cautious of like how it would come out Um, or or didn't even think about it
1: at first maybe a little bit but I kind of I remember because that one was done during our first recording session with our buddy Chris Wiseman who's in Currents and Shadow of Intent. He did all the engineering on this record, but it was during our first session with him at his studio. And I remember feeling like that for the first couple of takes. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of just, I kind of just snapped out of it and not for any specific reason, but I kind of just got into the zone, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and just kind of went headfirst into it and didn't try to worry too much about like, cause if something was wrong or it's like something went like, South, as far as like a vocal take or something like that, if something sounded wonky, like Chris would be like, uh, yeah, hey, dude, let's do that one again. That was, uh, was not quite there. Okay, yeah, so you know, he's so. got, yeah,
0: he's got your back. He's got my back, that. exactly. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, wow,
1: so yeah, I kind of just kind of zoned out and kind of put immersed myself into those feelings, and I feel like that's what guided me to, you know, do my best in those in, in that regard.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance? I know you're doing a tour coming up in a little less than a month. Uh, have you had a chance to play any of these songs live yet? And do you think that'll, I mean, that'll probably spark some emotions as well.
1: Yeah, we haven't. Uh, well, no, that's not true. We, we played Spirit Breaker live on this last tour back in February. Um, but the rest of the songs have yet to be played. Um, there were definitely a few nights on tour. Um, I remember one night specifically, we were at Marquee Theater in Denver. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a part in the song that's like a bridge before the breakdown and like the lyrics are this is me reaching out but it's too late i close my eyes and i see your face again and again even though even though it's words that i've written and that i've come to terms with having in a song like that part of the song comes up and like i'll make eye contact with somebody in the crowd that's just like fully into what we're doing and you can't help but choke up a little bit man like i had to like definitely take a breath and like stop myself i'm like hey dude snap out of it you got a breakdown yeah. coming up like but it yeah man it it got easier for sure you know just in in playing that song every night but that that looming feeling kind of never goes away
0: you sure.
1: know? but again I feel like it's a form of healing in its own right to you know not necessarily become callous to that emotion but to understand how to cope with it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And playing it
1: over and over doesn't
0: help. Yeah. I was going to say maybe the repetition will, will help a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And uh, like I said, obviously you have this big tour coming up and more heavy songs or heavy meaning behind these songs that you're going to yeah. have to bring to oh, the stage I'll probably
1: right cry
0: now. on stage at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I would say so would I, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's rad. So uh, you're playing starting the third of next month. Yeah,
1: June third, out with Boys in Greyhaven and the Calist Cowboys. It's it's gonna be fun, man. We we are getting super hyped up. We're gonna be um, headed up to Connecticut where our rehearsal space is in the next couple of weeks, and we're all getting that itch, man. I'm getting That's super awesome. excited to get out on the wow. road. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So you guys rehearse in Connecticut?
1: We do. Yeah, it, <laughs> we've got a we've got a bit of a strange dynamic in the band because I'm in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan, my guitar player, lives in Manhattan. Tyler is in Nashville, our other guitar player. And Joey, our drummer, and Chris, our bass player, are both in Connecticut.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. You
0: guys are all over the place. Um, at least you're all on the East Coast-ish.
1: Yeah, ish. Yeah. So, yeah, um, at least like this chunk of the yeah. country. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, we make it work, though. And, you know, it somehow goes off without a hitch every time. You know, knock on desk. But um, it, it is <laughs> kind of fun, though. on desk. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it is fun though we get super excited we get super hyped up because we don't see each other for a couple of months at a time and they're like hell yeah let's go we're gonna be back with the boys and then we start rehearsing and then you know it's like we never left mm-hmm. you know we just fall right back into it and it's a really good feeling to have you know
0: so cool so cool well i appreciate yeah. your time today Austin. this has been awesome i i love the songs i've heard off the record thus far and thank you for talking to me about like such deep you know <laughs> deep things that these records all have to offer. I mean, it's from pre you being in the band. I mean, you just continued the, (laughs) you know, the (laughs) super, yeah. Yeah. Like vulnerable lyrics and and subject matter. I think that's awesome.
1: Well, I appreciate that, man. I just, I I feel like it's super important these days because there's definitely been, been times in the past with other bands where I've like written something that I thought just sounded good. Didn't really necessarily mean anything to me. I was like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just say this, or I'll just sing this this way. Cause I think it's just cool. Mm-hmm. You know? But with, like I said, with this record, I, I really just honed in. I was like, this is what I need to do. I don't care if it's like overly vulnerable or if it makes me or anybody else uncomfortable, like this needs to just come out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really appreciate the kind words on that.
0: Yeah, of course, man. I, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I have one more quick question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists
1: don't give up. Yeah. No matter, no matter what life throws at you, don't give up. Cause I mean, there have been plenty of times when I definitely felt like just walking away from music. And had I done that, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. So, and you know, opportunities happen at the strangest of times, like when you're having coffee with a friend and he asks you to take over his band. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, man. And you know, people have asked me that before at shows and stuff too, as far, as far as like, you know, doing vocals and like honing in on your craft. And I always tell them the same thing, like, well, I sucked for a really long time. And eventually you'll figure it out. Just, you know, just stick with it. And don't, don't like, don't be afraid to ask other people in bands questions. Like, you know, pick people's brains. Like I've learned so much from other people over the years, just by You know sitting down and having a beer or just hanging out and be like hey man this part of the song when you sing like this you know what does that feel like and because i've never had vocal lessons or anything but i know a lot of people have and that definitely helps a lot of people but yeah don't give up ask questions hang out with your friends pick their brains if you know if they're also a musician and you know learn from each other